But then Pastor Greg was preaching and I felt God stir me and said, if you were to die right now, you would go to hell. And I knew it was true, but I had to make a decision at that point. I'm sitting right in the middle and, uh, and I lifted my hand. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thought kind of comes is like, what if people are going to see at the time? I just didn't care because I knew if I were to die right now, I would go to hell. And I, and I knew I needed to get my heart right. I knew it was time for me to surrender. And uh, I did that, answered the altar call, just said a simple prayer. God, forgive me. Like I had many times before, but just this time with the real, the real surrender. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, welcome back to Testimony Tuesday. This is Pastor Adam, and uh, very pleased to have as our guest today, Pastor Paul Arps, all the way from Kathmandu. You'd say, I never heard of that city before. You, <laughs> it's in Nepal. It's in, uh, it's, it's in the southern, eastern region of Asia. And uh, wow, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you, Pastor Adam. Wow. It's privilege. I'm very, very excited to be here as well. Well, it's a blessing for us, uh, for you to, that that you can make some time to do this, um, and uh, thank you for setting aside the time. So, yeah, you said you maybe some people never heard of Kathmandu. I hadn't heard of it until I came either. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have a similar story. When Pastor Campbell asked me if I knew anything about Bulgaria. I said not one thing. I have not one fact in my brain. What is Bulgaria? Yeah, yeah. So. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, again, welcome to the podcast, and we're so glad that you're here. For for those who don't know you, maybe you can give us the conference-style five-minute report of you and who you are and your wife and, and uh, where you've been serving the Lord. Okay. So uh, out of uh, sent here out of Prescott, uh, Pastor Greg is my pastor. So my wife was pretty much raised in Prescott as a church kid. And I have a little bit longer story, which I'm sure we'll probably get to some of it. But uh, uh, in a roundabout way, uh, my parents got saved in our fellowship in Lansing, Michigan in the 19, late 80s. So and I was eventually came to Prescott when I was about 12 years old. And uh, so my wife and I kind of grew up together, dated um, in, a, in a normal church kid fashion knew both of us knew at the time we were dating that we wanted to do something for God and uh, got married. I was 20. She was 18, 2007. And uh, then six years later, 2013, I was uh, launched out. I was put on staff in Prescott and then launched out to take over the church in Marion, Illinois, which as some of your listeners may know, Marion is, uh, was pioneered by Pastor Campbell, I think in 1979. And he was there until about 1982, 
And so uh, at that time, it was a very powerful work. And I think over 100 people by the time he left. And so when we got there, it wasn't over 100 people. <laughs> but uh, uh, definitely some folks in the church that had been saved longer than I had been alive. And so <laughs> it was a, a great, a great uh, church that really helped us in a lot of ways be able to cut our teeth in the ministry. And we really saw God move in a lot of ways there, saw some fruitfulness, the church enlarged. And uh, yeah, we had a great time there for three and a half years. And then uh, from there, I had been bugging my pastor a little bit here and there about going overseas, just feeling like I was called to to go uh, outside of the U.S. borders. And uh, he gave us the opportunity. And so that that's when we came here. That was 2017 January conference, but we came here in February. We arrived one month later and been here since that. So, wow, been, been close to five years then? Five and a half years this July, yes. Wow, you must like it. <laughs> yeah, most days, yes. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I know the missionary struggle, so uh, it's, uh, it's a high price to pay, but uh, so glad to hear that there are still young men willing to pay that price. What a blessing uh, to have you along. So, yeah. um, so before we get into the story of Nepal, which I'm very curious about and uh, would love to learn more about, uh, while we're with you, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about your background and how you grew up and, and, uh, what's the story that brought you to Jesus? Yeah. So it goes back, first of all, um, my wife's side is a little bit faster for me to tell just cause I, I know less of the details. Her mother got saved. Um, and there's a man named Bill Lampson from the early days in Prescott. He was an evangelist for a period of time. That was my wife's grandmother's brother. And so he got saved in Prescott, and my my wife's grandmother had been going through some marriage issues. She was living in South Carolina, and so she uh, needed a change in her life. Her husband was military. They weren't getting along. A lot of terrible things were happening there. And so my wife's mother was about seven years old when she moved to Prescott, actually to Chino Valley, and um, started going to the Prescott Church ever since then. I believe she says she was. Uh, saved at seven years old. So that's when wow. she started coming to the church. And so my wife's father, he was uh, from Colorado originally, and he went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. That was his school of choice because he said he wanted to make his father pay as much as possible for college tuition. And that was the school he chose. Wow. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, again, so both uh, my wife's parents kind of from broken um, backgrounds, broken marriages. Um, and so they they got married in the Prescott Church. He, he did get saved, saw some uh, people from our church street preaching and uh, realized they were from the Potter's House, and he, he eventually got it in with that. So I think they got saved, uh, or he got saved in the mid-'80s would be my guess. So my, my wife has one older brother and uh, three younger siblings, all raised in the Prescott Church their whole life. So, and then, so for me, uh, my parents were not saved when I was conceived, they were not married. So uh, my dad actually had broken off the relationship with my mom before they had gotten married. And I believe, uh, found out later on that my mom had actually considered having an abortion 
my dad's father had just passed away. So he was in the throes of, of uh, emotional turmoil. And I think only being 18 years old, kind of wondering what to do with his life. But they went to a little church that my dad says was a bunch of gray hairs and uh, not really much going on. But the, the day they came to the church, um, they pulled an altar call. So my, my parents both got saved. My dad got up to let my mom out of the aisle. She could go down to pray at the altar because she lifted her hand and responded. But my dad followed her down to the altar. So they both got saved that day. Um, to back it up a little bit and rewind, my my aunt was stationed in the Air Force in Guam in 1984. Uh, so this goes back. We recently uh, lost two heroes of our of our fellowship, Pastor Mitchell and Pastor Glenn Cluck, on the like really the same day. If it, we were in my time zone. Uh, but on right. separate days. Um, Glenn Cluck, I didn't know this until after he passed away and a lot of the sound bites and different things came out, but he had told Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Mitchell was considering uh, folding up that church and, uh, and uh, Glenn Cluck said, I'll go. And so he responded to take over that church. Well, my wife, uh, my aunt got saved in that church, 1984. So she began to witness to my dad and with five siblings, she would call, and he was the youngest one, so they would all not want to hear her. They would pass the phone to the next youngest sibling, and he would get the full brunt of it at the end. And she was, she was done being nice, and just you're going to go to hell. <laughs> you're living in sin. So, so Got that the real gospel. Uh, yes, <laughs> the, the fullness <laughs> of it. And so that changed his mind. He had read the track, the gospel track. This was your life. So he. Uh, my parents got saved. They were kind of looking for a church to go to because the church they were going to wasn't really doing anything. And he had heard about our fellowship from his sister in Guam. She eventually went to California, married a man, Chris and Brenda Banducci. They were uh, missionaries in Taiwan for 10 years in our mm -hmm. fellowship. Now they're in the Tucson church, Harold Warner's church there. And so, you know, she told him, well, there's a, a new church in our fellowship going into Lansing, Michigan, which they at the time lived in northern Ohio. And so it was a little bit of a drive, but they drove and they met with Pastor Jeff Renz. So Pastor Mitchell's son-in-law and daughter were pioneering, I think, at 86. And so my parents went there. They started paying their tithes. They, they, they said, yes, let's go. They really committed their lives to Christ and also to the church. And so that's how my parents got locked into our fellowship and so they eventually followed to uh, Palmdale, California, which is where Pastor Renz was at the time. My dad pastored in Kingman, Arizona for about three years. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, through, through. That's another uh, city. That's, Very few that's another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kingman is, uh, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, and it's there. growing. It's growing. It's a nice little city. Um, so, and um, from there. He had the choice either to go back to Palmdale, which at the time um, there was a man in our fellowship who was kind of rebelling against our fellowship. There was some, some things that had happened. And so my dad decided to go to Prescott. He called Pastor Mitchell and Pastor Mitchell said, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you're welcome to come here if that's what you decide. And so that's what they decided. And I thank God for many of those decisions in that period of time, because it had a lot to do with you know, my aunt getting saved, you know, just realizing Glenn Cluck's decision, Pastor Mitchell's vision to plant churches, 
and just what God was doing in our in our fellowship around that time. Pastor Jeff Renz, and then um, just my parents being able to make some of those decisions that you know not saved. And my dad says we need to make it right. Finds out my my mom is pregnant and says we need to get married. And that's you know for a sinner that's a, that's a miracle. So a lot of those decisions and then just going to Prescott. So I, I went to Prescott and I was about 11 years old. And that was for the first time in my life, that was where stability came because we had moved around so much. You know, people would always ask me, uh, why are you in so many places, California, Los, uh, uh, near Los Angeles, and then, you know, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Arizona, why so many places? Was your parents military? And I said, no. Kind of the will of God. It's a long story. Yeah. Army of um, the Lord. Yes, exactly. So uh, when I went to Prescott, again, more moving around, we went, got an apartment in Prescott Valley. Then we moved to Prescott and then back to Prescott Valley. So my parents got a house. And for the first time in my life, and this kind of played out later on, I I started feeling comfortable. Uh, I realized I had gone to school and I had never gone to a school for two years in a row. So this is by this time I was already in seventh grade, eighth grade, and so a lot of a lot of moving around, a lot of things that were building up in me as a young teenager, insecurity, always trying to prove myself to people around, um, and then you know as a Christian, you, you feel pretty good about yourself sometimes just because your parents have made good decisions and you're kind of riding in that blessing. And so as a teenager, I really experienced a lot of pride. And at the same time, I think it was built up by my own insecurities because I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a confidence in myself. I didn't really have much uh, uh, to speak of in my life as far as to prove myself. So I was into sports. I love playing sports. And um, Which kind of sports? Uh, football, basketball, baseball mainly. And so that was how I could prove myself in in a way. That's how I could get my achievement, my approval. My dad was very into it. And so he would give me approval. And that was kind of one of the only ways uh, for a period of time that I could I could receive that and, and feel some kind of value or some kind of worth. But, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, you're playing around with church kids, you, you could do okay. But then once you start getting into actual leagues and you know, I'm small and I wasn't any good. <laughs> I wasn't good enough, you know, to be able to make, a, you know, that was my vision. I was going to be the white Deion Sanders and oh. play, play, you know, dual sports or something like that. But that That's was a high a, bar. That was a pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that was, that was me uh, kind of looking for that approval, realizing that God loved me, understanding all the biblical truths and whatnot but uh, hadn't made it my own, really. And just, uh, I would look down on other people because they weren't raised in church. And so they're doing things that sinners do. Um, You know, I never drank, never smoked, never really had a desire to do those things. Um, I liked going to church. My friends were there. So that's where I would go. And, and, uh, you know, I I loved all the things that we did. And and, uh, I liked that that our lives were pretty much better than everyone else's. But again, that was really kind of, taking for granted the blessings that God had given me, hadn't really earned that myself. And, uh, and that, that's, you know, a benefit of, of parents living godly lives. Their children are blessed, but I didn't see that 
and I, I hadn't really lived that way for myself. So wow. 15 years old, uh, I started getting into some stuff, uh, you know. All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. <laughs> We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. <laughs> they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a (laughs) win-win-win. This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June, so don't miss this opportunity. But wait. Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe. Because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. With, with the pride and, and uh, you start realizing there's things out there in the world video games, uh, you know, just uh, wasting my time and just. Uh, uh, lust and all these different kinds of things. 
started to hit. And um, so I started making uh, decisions that I, my insecurity began to turn into self-hate. And I began to loathe who I was, constantly going to church, feeling guilty, you know, just a lot of the things of secret sin and, and, and uh, the realities of still trying to have some semblance of pride uh, because I'm not doing things outwardly and other people's lives are falling apart. Other, a lot of other teenagers, you realize in church that they're not all going to live for God as they should, even in Prescott, even under Pastor Mitchell's preaching. Really? You know, people make their own decision. <laughs> yeah. Does that happen in Prescott? <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't get mad at anybody in my church, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's, there, you start seeing the, the pool and you start seeing people leave the church. And in my mind, I'm never going to leave the church. This is, this is who I am. I'm, I'm Potter's House through and through. I'm Christian Fellowship Ministries. But then you start seeing things in your life and, and uh, you know, you, you pull out a mirror and you just look at yourself and you begin to realize that you're not who you, who you project to other people. And so I really had to deal with some issues in my own heart. I really got saved when I was 18 years old and I really made it a surrender. Pastor Greg was preaching a sermon and I don't remember what the sermon was about, but I do remember God speaking to me at the altar call. I had no intention of you know, responding because again, in my, in my life, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a good kid. I'm, I'm fine. But then Pastor Greg was preaching and I felt God stir me and said, if you were to die right now, you would go to hell. And I knew it was true. And I, and I agreed, but I had to make a decision at that point. And so with the church, Prescott's a church of about 600 people, 500 something on Wednesday night at the time. And I'm sitting right in the middle <laughs> and, uh, and I lifted my hand and, uh, you know, the, the, the thought kind of comes is like, what if people are going to see, and, you know, and, and they think this is who you are. But at the time, I just didn't care because I knew if I were to die right now, I would go to hell. And I, and I knew I needed to get my heart right. I knew it was time for me to surrender. And uh, I did that, answered the altar call, just said a simple prayer. God, forgive me. Like I had many times before, but just this time with a real, real surrender. In mind. Wow. Was there, um, do you remember anything that led up to that? Was there, was God moving in any other ways in your life at the time that kind of drew you to that point? Yes. I had actually started feeling called to be a pastor, uh, before that time. And so I had started going to serious men. Uh, this is a class that pastor Greg does with a lot of the disciples early Sunday morning. So I had started already going to that before this time, um, uh, but I think discipleship and Pastor Greg's style of hands-on and just some of the things that, to inspire you to ministry that, that he would say and, and some of the things that he does uh, in his preaching, I began to believe that my life could be something. <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm not going to be Deion Sanders, so <laughs> I have to, I got to work a job, uh, you know, and and uh, maybe I could be a pastor one day as far as, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it'll be easy. I can sit at a desk and write sermons in AC, you know, <laughs> and I don't have to work outside my whole life. So, um, but totally just a, a wrong idea. Pastor Greg began to let us know there's a, there's a, there's a purpose for your life and that this is not going to be something very easy. But if you go with God, God's going to equip those he calls. 
and uh, just you know that that really in my 18th year uh, was one of the things that really led me to the, I think the decisions. So that's something that was building up. Really started feeling called before I really fully surrendered, and hmm. so uh, a lot of little surrenders since then. But that was a big surrender at that time. Yeah, yeah. Just curious, do you, do you have uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have uh, one brother, one sister, and uh, uh, not sure they're um, in the church right now. My parents actually recently uh, divorced, so this is you're you're seeing a. A marriage that, again, I can look back to and point to decisions they made and great, great decisions that helped me. And uh, they started to break down. Uh, so things over time, again, like I said, in Pastor Mitchell's ministry, right? Listening to the best preaching, the best sermons. I'm growing uh, spiritually, but they were declining. And so my parents actually divorced about four years ago. And uh, I don't know. Uh, my brother doesn't, my brother's wife is still in the church. And so uh, some just different things there, but neither of them uh, are going as of right now. So, Wow. Yeah. Well, definitely uh, prayer needs that, uh, yes. that we can be yeah. lifting up for you. Um, yeah. You're, um, so does that mean uh, you're, you're the um, the oldest of the family? I was the oldest, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, wow, what what an amazing journey. And so, um, Pastor, you, you mentioned a little bit about Pastor Greg Mitchell's uh, style of discipleship of hands-on. I, I wonder, just for those of, of us who have not, um, you know, obviously we've heard his preaching and we've been affected by his ministry, but can you can you tell us, you know, what that meant to you and and what exactly it it, uh, it entailed? Yeah. So. I began preaching altar calls um, shortly after I got married. Uh, I joined ministry, and for my for my for me, ministry was the sound crew. And so, uh, but seeing some of the things, first of all, it really started because there's an atmosphere of discipleship. It really started with me seeing some of my peers or my yeah. older peers doing really well and doing things for God, and being. Uh, promoted in a sense that they were uh, becoming pastors and and being put on staff. And so I saw that. And when you're in that, you know, I can understand some churches, especially smaller churches, where it gets a little stale as far as sending out of churches or or the movement of discipleship in the body where you have an older disciple who's been doing the things he's been doing for 30 years and no one has really come into that place. But in Prescott, it's not really like that. So it it was for a period of time, one year when a person would be on staff as far as concert director, and then they're going to get sent out in about a year. Well, I think uh, Pastor Angel Morales was the first one. It was six months. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then it was another one that was six months later. They were sent out. And then every conference, every six months, there would be two disciples sent out, one who wasn't even on staff. And so, you know, we, we began to see with Pastor Greg, it's like, this is not about uh, a ritual. It's not about who can look the best come conference time to be able to become a pastor or be the disciple who's going to be chosen to, to rise up. But you began to see this is really about what God is going to do in your life. There's no timetable except 
the fact that many are called, but few are chosen. So what are you going to do to line up your life with the calling that God is putting on you? And um, I began to see, you know, there would be some people, you know, this is around conference time. People get excited. So they're going to, they're going to, um, you know, be on outreach, be in prayer. (laughs) Uh, Some of the things that maybe they'll follow up with a new convert or something and, uh, and wear nice clothes, you know, wear a tie and stuff. But uh, with the discipleship, Pastor Greg, it was like, there were, there were things that you could be doing all year long, uh, constantly. And so it was involving myself in ministry. I, I began to see other guys rise up. I began to get involved. And a lot of times it was, you know, let's just say for, for instance, in sound, I would show up late to set up the equipment and the guy who was the sound leader at the time, Micah Wright, he challenged me and uh, he's like, well, you know, everyone else is here. You're not here. And so it was like, he was getting that from pastor Greg. It was a more direct. And then he was challenging me. So this was, this was the atmosphere. It's like, uh, rise up. Let's, we can do this. You know, if you're going to do that, do it with all your heart. And so, then I started preaching altar calls. Pastor Greg gave me the opportunity. And so he met with me in a, uh, actually in the nursery at the time, gave me a dry erase board marker, said, this is your microphone. <laughs> and, and he sat down there, it was just me and him in the nursery. And he said, okay, preach. He had me prepare an illustration beforehand. And uh, the way he trains us is you, you, you give an illustration and then you apply it, uh, and then you you bring the gospel. And so he just has me start preaching, and he says, louder, they can't hear you in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was just hit, sitting there, and, and five minutes later, we're done, and he says, okay, so you're going to preach this Saturday. And, <laughs> you know, it was like this, but, but you understand, Pastor Greg was so concise, I always try to be as clear and concise as he is. Uh, but in that five minutes, he did something in my life with just that investment. And then again, of course, all you know, all of his preaching for the whole church, and then all of the serious men classes that he would do. And then from time to time, he would he would pull me aside. I remember one time I had preached an altar call in the 180 concert scene, and it was my least prepared altar call. I can say that much. And so it didn't come off very well. Thank God, God still helped us. We had some people saved. But I remember him coming to me the next morning after Serious Men. He pulled me aside and he said, what was the theme of, of your altar call? In other words, what were you trying to say? Because I've been a pastor for a long time and I couldn't figure out what your theme was. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I kind of threw out what, what it was supposed to be, but realizing and he said, okay. Okay, he said, if it's clear to you, Paul, it'll be clear to them. And, you know, just one of those things where I realized I, I didn't work on this the way I should have. Uh, and thank God people got saved, but that wasn't because of my preparation. Uh, but thankfully, other people were involved in, the, in, in this, and, and God helped us anyway. But I began to realize this, I, I, I need to step up. You know, just in, in little moments like that, he would just say in one sentence, or, or just in two minutes of conversation. And it was like, okay, this is, 
yeah, you're right. I, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And, and uh, it would just make you really uh, want to step up. And he never demeaned, uh, ever remember him ever calling me a name as far as any derogatory term. Uh, it, but it was always just because this is serious, because God is using your life and this is real. And so what are you going to do about that? And one time I remember I was in the concert scene. We had been having a dry spell as far as no, no visitors. Nobody was getting saved. And so I saw him. He was there at the concert scene a little bit early. And I, I talked to him on the side and I said, Pastor, I, we, you know, this is what's going on. Uh, we haven't been seeing any visitors. And really, I was asking him in a sense to say, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, tell me what yeah, to do. Yeah, Give yeah. me a one, two, three, ABC. And he just looked at me and he said, well, Paul. If this was your church, if you were pastoring a church and this was happening, what would you do? And he really just put the onus back on me as far as a discipleship. And that's what he would do. He would challenge us to to think bigger, right? Now, this is not just a, it's a concert scene. And yes, people are going to get saved, but this is in preparation for a much bigger future as well. And so I, I began to really think about that. It's not just right here, this problem. And so... Another thing Pastor Greg would always say is, if I can't trust you to refill the paper towel dispenser, then I certainly can't trust you with souls. And so again, even even something a small task, it was something bigger, really, because it was about preparing you for your future. You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.